When I was young, my parents gave me the talk. No, not that talk. This was about how to talk, specifically how to carry a conversation. It went something like this. Step one, introduce yourself. Step two, maintain eye contact during a firm handshake. Step three, conduct small talk. Step four, find things in common. Warning, never talk about money, religion, or politics. While these were unlikely topics of conversation for an elementary schooler, this conversation confused me. Why couldn't I talk about these taboos? I owned a piggy bank, I celebrated Christmas and Hanukkah, and I was used to hearing my parents complain about George Bush. So why wasn't I allowed to talk about it? This semester, on Semester in the West, I've been searching for the conversations I was previously prohibited from having. A treasure hunt where the chest is not full of gems, but filled with political pundits, discourse, and debates. However, as much as my fellow students and I pride, we seem to be shot down time and time again. I hesitate really and truly to talk too much about it. I won't argue politics with anybody right now. You know, if you're following uh, the passing of John McCain lately, they're talking about a lost era of when people used to talk to each other respectfully with different points of view. And she said, no, no, no politics in the boardroom. I haven't read a newspaper probably for two years. Mm -hmm. I probably haven't listened to a half a dozen news broadcasts. I, I just get too taken up with it. It's been 10 years since my parents bestowed upon me their words of advice, yet they still ring true. I must say, I didn't expect this. In 2018, the first election cycle since the controversial election of Donald Trump, politics seemed to be on the forefront of everyone's minds. Here in the American West, we might as well be floating in the middle of the Red Sea, parting occasionally for concentrated blue dots of urban centers. Public land disputes and environmental degradation drive politics, a concept that is an element of nearly every topic we have discussed. However, one would never guess this based on our conversations. When the topic is broached, it is frantically dodged, as if the word politics were a lethal bullet. Deep in the conservative land of South Texas, just along the Rio Grande River, we meet conservationist Bonnie McKinney. At the Adams Ranch, near Big Bend National Park, she has worked towards habitat restoration for local and migrating bird species like turkeys, quail, and vireo. She has pursued and succeeded in conservation work in a state dominated by right-wing politics, which leads to the assumption of Bonnie's impressive communication skills. In order to make great strides in the world of conservation, I would imagine that political conversations are the norm in her line of work. Under the pounding of rain, a rarity in a land that has faced years of drought, we inquire about politics. To our surprise, we are met with Bonnie's reticence. I won't argue politics with anybody right now. It's just, uh, I no comment, so I won't even talk about it. We decided about two weeks ago, huh? uh, you know, pretty crazy right now. Perhaps the subversion is a response to the shouts, slander, and strife that serve as the soundtrack to political news coverage. The partisan discord that dominates American politics is plastered across every television, newspaper, and magazine, and is impossible to avoid. That's enough. Put down the mic. When Republicans are in power, the first thing they want to do is give tax cuts to the rich. That's just what's it's in their DNA. They just don't get it. They don't understand the party's over for liberals in Washington, D.C. Mr. President, you repeatedly, over the course okay, of... Okay, just sit down, please. 
Why are you because pitting they're very Americans? Weak on crime. Why Excuse are you me. pitting Americans Peter. against one another, sir? Peter. We do attack middle class. The division present in the political arena is, no doubt, also the case in everyday exchanges. However, interactions often seem to take a different route, going from squabbles to suppression. In figuring out how conversations have gotten to this point, the first step is to figure out why. Why aren't we having these conversations? Vince Pace, a range con in southern Utah, is constantly faced with the politics of environmentalists versus ranchers. When asked about politics, though, he pauses. I hesitate really and truly to talk too much about it, but I'll, I will talk a little bit because you've got a right to ask a question. Threats have been made. Weapons have been drawn. We think, well, you know, surely the law will step in. And the reason that politics this year is playing such a huge role in whether we send permittees livestock home or whether we allow them to try to get through this bloody drought that we're going through is is strictly out of the effort to try to prevent another Bunkerville situation. We almost had people killed over that. Vince talks about Bunkerville, the standoff between Nevada rancher Cliven Bundy and the federal government, as he resisted the removal of his livestock from grazing allotments for 21 years, hiring militiamen to intimidate federal agents of the Bureau of Land Management. Clearly, the conflict Vince faces is dangerous, to the point where he is reluctant to voice any opinion on the issue. So in an attempt to escape confrontation, are we simply ignoring our differences and avoiding the conversation entirely? In collaborative groups, where confrontations could easily arise, outside sources are employed to facilitate conversations. These third-party mediators have become more common across the West as collaborations seek to catalyze the conversations needed for cooperation. Stephen Daniels, a Whitman College and Duke University graduate, has made a career out of this. I sort of think of myself as if I'm a waiter in a really good restaurant. I hope I can set the table where people can have this really cool conversation, but I'm not really part of the conversation. I'd like to be able to have things there before they even know they need them. And the better job I do, the less noticeable I am. But the magic was in the conversation they had. I, I just set the table. Hearing Stephen's job description, I have to wonder, is this absurd? Do we really need to have highly trained individuals guide us through a simple conversation? Or is this really a stepping stone in the right direction? In Washington State's Metow Valley, wolf biologist Gabe Spence is frequently faced with the wolf rancher politics that plague the Northwest. Gabe has found a way to communicate with those who have separate viewpoints through actually addressing their different beliefs. And we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we, I think, are both committed to being open to the other person's perspective and, and honestly considering what the other person might have to say and trying it on and seeing if that, hmm, maybe they actually have a good point here. Gabe provides an example of what is possible. Maybe the differences in confrontation that we are so afraid of are exactly what we need. Maybe instead of following the rules, instead of searching for what we have in common, we should start looking for what we don't. If we saw differences not as polarizing, but as something to think about, something to consider, we could start the conversation. If we were upfront with our political, and sometimes controversial, beliefs, we could begin to erase the taboo of politics and normalize its presence in discussions. If every time we engaged in dialogue, we presented ourselves honestly and candidly, 
we could start having the conversations that need to be had. And with that, I'd like to sign off. For National Public Lands Radio, this was Cindy Abrams, a pro-choice, anti-border wall, registered Democrat. Want to chat?